I can assure you I mean you no harm. Who are you? Who? Who is but the form following the function of what, and what I am is a man in a mask. Well, I can see that. Of course you can. I'm not questioning your powers of observation. I'm merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a masked man who he is. Oh, right. But on this most auspicious of nights, permit me then, in lieu of the more commonplace subriquet, to suggest the character of this dramatis persona. <laughs> another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artists and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. What's up, Jordan? What's up, buddy? How's it going? That was cute. It's going good, man. It's weird in that person now. I'll be really, it's like now you can touch... You guys made like eye contact when you said, What's up, Jordan? I, I have been I, holding it this whole time. Um, it was a little weird. Away, At least in the camera, there's like. <laughs> it was pretty cute, guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're I'm not going to lie. We're you really looked you. up at him. I saw a little twinkle. To, oh, God, a little glistening. I felt something under Is the it table. Glistening? Too. Oh, no. I don't know if that was Zach's hand or your toes, but I'm, it wasn't me. I'm into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, since we are here in person coming at you from the Barlow Castle, um, live and direct. I actually. Take advantage of this. I got a little bit of a knot in my shoulder, Zach. If you want to give me a quick rub um, since you're here. I can't it's just quite bother me a little bit. So you're understand here. the request. <laughs> I'm kind of confused by it. What's you did, confusing? You did pet my, my face earlier. You have no proof of that, and that never happened. What's confusing about <laughs> getting me just taking a knot out of my back, man? I just don't feel like that's my job. I'm not saying it is. I'm, it's a request, but you're saying you don't understand. You can say no, but you just don't understand. Yeah, like I don't understand why you're asking because like I feel like that's not because I can't reach it. And <laughs> did, usually did we're on this call it? virtually, but now that I have you know what, what I consider a good friend here, by the way, our third host Zach Barlow's here. What up? Um, <laughs> I feel like you'd be like, yeah, dude. You know what? Since All right, dude. You here, know what? I got no bow. Okay, give me yeah. on the left left shoulder blade. Get well, that's left shoulder blade. That's the right. This is, <laughs> this is probably just like oh. classic audio. Right yeah, now. that actually feels so good. Uh. You're right in my spine. Jesus, oh. never mind. God damn it. Hey, I didn't say I was good at it. All right, well, we're here in person for you, <laughs> and couldn't be more excited about it. And this episode is going to be—it's going to be a deep one. We are revisiting the genius of Alan Moore's mind, which we've delved down a couple times before on this podcast. Always a dark, dark dive. So we, it typically is a, an interesting dive, that's for sure. Um, usually in the past, but also kind of modern present. And uh, we're doing V for Vendetta, which uh, is. More uh, re- relevant today. I think, just smelled the page. There's something about a book that you could just mm. smell that book, mm. that reading. Uh, that good, good. Just chop it up that and good, put good it into a book line. Stench. Yeah, that like mm, yeah. Uh, knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> just breathing no. in, baby. <laughs> Always goes down smooth. <laughs> but not only are we talking V for Vendetta today, 
but we are drinking. Very fitting. Yeah. Story. <laughs> yeah. The beer. We're, the beer we're drinking just goes hand in hand. So for those who don't know, Alan Moore's favorite band of all time is Hanson. I'm pretty sure. I could have just made that up. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Jessica, one of my employees. She is a huge Hanson fan, and uh, Hanson, the Hanson brothers, actually started a brewery. Wow. And put out some beers, and they're only sold in certain areas, usually in the South. But she was in Tulsa visiting. She knew that we were doing this episode, and she brought us back some some beverages to try out. So that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're very excited about that. This one looks beefy, bro. Seven point five. God dang. Let's get it. Let's get it. Oh my gosh. But before we go on the beverage breakdown, you know we're here in person. Is there anything, guys? What's going on in your lives? You know. We- um. Well, the highlight of my week is uh, Zach's house. We got to visit is it? In- oh wow! Thank uh, you. That's surprising. Really? Yeah. That's no. I, it's very- fun to be here. <laughs> no. Um, I, it's been a busy week. I mean, we've had you know people are going back into the crazy you know mindset of of uh, you know the pandemic and you know so a lot of conversations that this whole this whole week. I mean. Uh, I know a lot of uh, private business owners to, you know, public workers and um, Action City. I mean, I could put another hit on him for another two months, you know, so. Or however long. Or however long yeah. it takes. So, he's you know, he's game planning for that. So, I know there. And um, it's just a weird week because I think people are in limbo, but summer is here. So, people are outside, you yeah. know. Like people so. want so badly yeah. for things to be normal. Yeah. But they're just not and yeah. like the more you want it to be normal i feel like the the less normal it becomes right. you know it's kind of this weird just don't think about it or let's, let's give the world reverse psychology like we don't want it to be normal yeah yeah let's we just love put this. that out there <laughs> we love this yeah this is amazing and yeah. maybe it'll come back down to reality yeah yeah but i didn't think about it. we're not six feet apart right now at all mm, that just gave no. me a rub a back rub yeah. yeah unwillingly like as soon as you got out of the car we like dapped and hugged and at that point i and was kissed. pretty much like what yeah yeah pretty mm, much no that didn't happen there's no proof of that <laughs> But, That's um, true, there is that. But, um, yeah, basically Alicia and I have decided that after this we're going to quarantine for two weeks because you're probably diseased. <laughs> and you're coming from Alaska. Well, so. it's like already here, so you're just going to save other people, I guess. Right. Like, if like. we're going to get sick, we're going to get sick by ourselves yeah. for two weeks. I take a test as soon as I land. I'll let you know my results. So don't worry. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, you have to in Alaska. You take a little cotton swab at the airport. and then they, Oh, okay. They, they you Actually, that, that saved us a lot of time because yeah. we were legit planning on quarantining for yeah, the last two weeks. Yeah, I can't go back to work until I get my results back. It's usually two to three days. So as oh, soon as okay. I get that, I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Then right. I'm not filthy. I'll be sitting on the I'll be sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for the <laughs> test results. <laughs> I think the world will be at this point. Wow. Um, but yeah, we're so we're recording right now, and actually, as we speak, I feel like a terrible brother because my older brother is planning a proposal for his girlfriend, Brandon. Congratulations. Hopefully, she says yes. God dang, you're putting this on the podcast. <laughs> well, it's not going to come out till Wednesday. I know, but like, sure. what? If she, like, I don't know. There's still oh, like, she says wait, no. Yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> I can still, edit that like, out. undetermined. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty confident. You're, yes, yeah, yes. that's some fucking confidence, bro. He's doing, <laughs> Hell a, yeah, very, bird. He's Hell doing yeah. a very sweet thing. So he's going out geocaching with this whole, whole wow, thing. Wow, it's so. so nerve-wracking to do something so big and hope that you get a yes. Like, you I think feel like you if know you do someone? that, though, you're so com- you, you have yeah. to be confident. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. You can't, like, put something like that together and then, like, be like, oh, I hope, I don't know. Like, that's, like, you basically, like, flexing and being yeah. like, I don't know what you're going to say. We're going to yeah. make this special. For sure. If you're taking so. that shot uncertainly, then you're then you're crazy. Like shooter, you're shoot or shoot, but damn. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah. That's some fucking Steph Curry pulling from half court. That's true, yeah. Um well cool. Well, yeah. Great to great to catch up. So happy to be here. Yeah. And uh without further ado, let's get some beverages on. Let's go with that beverage break down. Mm, 
Just love you guys. Love the yeah. listeners. Thanks for being part of this love session, but let's drink some beer now, all right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that why you slipped us some tongue when yeah. you were beating us? That never happened. With the welcome kiss? That never happened. There was no welcome kiss. Usually it's kiss. just like a <laughs> five to six second peck. There was like, no welcome kiss. It's soft. But lo- your mouth is slightly open. Yeah. My yeah. mouth was... There's First of all, <laughs> there's no welcome kiss. You were going there. My mouth was not. There was not a welcome kiss. There was not a welcome kiss. So Hanson Brothers beer. All right. Uh, this, Bro, look at this pour. Dude, it's a, it's a tasting pour. You want to see the head, right? You don't want all just beer. You gotta get Let's some, get this up I, to the I, camera. I would prefer. Yeah, look like at a, that. Uh, like, I like Ooh. that split. You got a little bit this left. Is a good split. You want to pour some more in there, your, your own fucking... Super fancy way. So, uh, Hanson Brothers beer. Obviously, uh, I'm sure most of you know the the band Hanson, fam- famous for uh, several songs. Mbop is probably the most popular. So you had Isaiah was the oldest, Taylor's the oh, middle, names. and Zach's the youngest. What? Yeah, wow. I, dude, I, Brandon was a huge Hanson fan. He had Brandon middle of, my old brother. <laughs> he had my he had Middle Kings of Nowhere, Jordan. which was their their big album. Then he had Snowed In, which was their snow album, uh, Christmas album, and. Oh. Uh, they Names some... of Christmas albums that we know as well. I'm a Hanson fan, absolutely. So you better oh, watch okay. your fucking mouth. Here. <laughs> All right. Good. Because um, you were using the word Brandon to mask the word I. Brandon got me ago. into Hanson. Okay, now we're getting closer it, to the truth. Brandon's a gateway drug to, to great music, I guess. So um, Zach was like my same age. He was the drummer, and Taylor was like the singer, and Isaiah right. was like the, the guitarist. So they've all done their own independent stuff, but they still tour together. And they have every year they go to Jamaica, have this huge party in like uh, January, I think wow. it is. And like it's a huge deal. Like they go to Jamaica to rage. They have like a huge festival in Jamaica. A Hanson festival in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. That sounds weird. Why? Why Jamaica? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Okay. Why not? I I just want to know who who are all the people that go there would be. Are they Jamaicans? <laughs> they... they must be, right? No, Locals? no. It's like sandals, like that kind of thing. Like they have a f- great following. Still. Sandals, Jamaica, the, the resort, sandals. Oh. Oh, I don't know. Never heard of Sandals? Never heard. Oh, that's a big, yeah. big, it's like the famous resort in Jamaica. Yeah. That's where Michael took Jan in the office when she was naked and they hooked up for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Sandals. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but anyways, yeah, so they, uh, they're they pretty well-known bands and uh, they started their brewing beer in 2013. Um, <clears throat> they rose to prominence once showcased at the 2014 Hop Jam Festival, which is one of the festivals they put on. And this is the beer. Yeah, yeah. The beer, the beer okay, rose gotcha, prominence gotcha. there. Um, they also have it available at Disneyland, Disney World, which is that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the first beer we're trying is the Mmm Hops, which is <laughs> just one of the best. It's names. too easy. It's just really? one of the best. Names. <laughs> it's just too easy for it's, them. They're just. I think that's what like. How do you not they're like, Okay, that. let me just soft pitch this <laughs> one. Up. They probably don't even drink beer. They're just like, yeah. we have to make a beer. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> probably the whole, what the idea was. No, okay. no they're definitely. Uh, when I looked up their brewery, they're definitely beer fans, and they think that beer and music just equals awesome, and that's their slogan for their brewery. Yeah. So. Uh, the Mmhops is a malt-forward English-style pale ale. Uh, combines American grain, caramel, and bread notes, and finally adds some American hops to give it the fruity, hazy feel. Um, it was crafted to be a gateway beer into the craft world, so for uh, people like UJR, yeah. who aren't big fans of the, the heavy IPAs, those hoppy oh, okay. beers, this is supposed to be a kind of an entry level for that. Oh, wow. Um, it was definitely more popular than they anticipated because it won the gold medal in 2013 at the uh, World Beer Championships. So... It's a well uh, praised, yeah. well respected, well respected, and uh, and you know, yeah. Cheers. Down the hatch. Cheers. Oh, we can do it over the mic again. Oh wow! Mm, oh, yeah. Feels good. So we get off the nosey. Um, 
It smells like a pale. Yeah. I don't get any like florally or anything. No. Some earthiness. You definitely can tell it's malt forward. Malt. Malty yeah. is, yeah. is, is, is what I would call it, yeah. Doesn't have that hoppy. No, it's it's pine. strong though. It feels I feel the the it, you know it's it smells strong. So definitely gonna. Woo. Okay. That's smooth. Yeah. That's smooth. I can definitely see that entry level. Yeah. Oh man, it's like got a um. Is it weird if I think it has like a cinnamon like after? Cinnamon. Yeah, it's like it, it was like warmer than than well, I. Well, it has caramel. Oh, okay. There's some caramel notes, some bread. So that definitely could. Yeah, like it's like a, it's like a kind of a pale start, Ooh. and then it like it has like a sweet yeah like finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't have that bite. No, that, not at all. That an IPA would have. Not at all. Just a pale ale, and it's smooth, sweet. Yeah, that's what I would call it. Smooth yeah. and sweet. Yeah. yeah. To the point. What do you think? You like it, Jared? I like it. It, I definitely, it definitely. I can. The, the alcohol is pretty strong. I can feel that uh, compared to some others. Um, really? Yeah. I can't tell at seven point five. Personally, well, that's I don't surprising have, to me. I mean, this is a beefy boy. Yeah. I don't seven have, five for a pale is yeah. Fuck. Um, that's a thick. I can feel that's it. That's a thick I, boy. Yeah. I don't mm. have Jordan's. That's not even uh, an IPA, resume. and it's a seven five. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. a Sand. beef. No. You know what I'm saying. So I mean, I get, I get it. I get, but it is smooth. So I like the beer. It's not overwhelming. So I mean, I could. This would be that next step, I guess, <laughs> for me to start drinking beer. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're getting closer. I mean, and closer. you start drinking a seven point five pale. I feel like up. you know what? I feel like this is like a trick at Gateway. They re- Gateway is really the key here. Yeah, because so, it's like it's just woo. a pale. It's just a starter. Don't worry about don't it. Don't think anything you of it. You drink like one and a half of these, and you're just hammed, and you're like, <laughs> I can't even taste this beer anymore. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. So I think we all in agreement. We like it. I mean, I think it's a good for what it is. The pale ale, like they mission accomplished. Yeah, I actually, I think a good. Bro, you're gonna have to kill that. Oh my. I'm not a germaphobe. That's another episode of Noggers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Our Patreon exclusive show where we talk. That's not our fucking Patreon exclusive show. (laughs) Social issues and great eggnog. Uh, (laughs) You drink eggnog talking through social issues. I can just see it. Eggnog all year I do long. like I do like the eggnog show idea, but we're not calling it Noggers. <laughs> I don't know how we. I'm not doing it unless we're calling it Noggers. Well, then we're not doing it. <laughs> all right, let's go back to the story. <laughs> we're talking V for Vendetta today, right? Um, established comic book history. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty important. Um, I think one of the main facts is uh, it's it, it's written by Alan Moore and artist is David Lloyd, but they almost had like equal, like creative. Stakes. Stakes, and they both they both came up with equal amount of great things. Uh, actually, David Lloyd came up with the mask and the whole um, Guy Fawkes thing, mm-hmm. which which is pretty interesting. Super right, because a lot of times we Alan Moore is like a god in the comic book world, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we think that he did like this is all his baby. Mm-hmm. He you know nurtured it from childhood. He gets a lot the, of credit. He does. Yeah. Um, in fact, when David Lloyd had probably if not more some some more ideas and more um, stake in this than he did. And in fact, I know for the movie, uh, Alan Moore gave up his rights to Beaver Vendetta. He didn't get a credit for it. Yep, yeah, and he gave it all to David Lloyd. Um, Which is classic Alan Moore. Classic. Because well, like, he didn't want the movie made. He has right? like adaptations to begin with, yeah. so he wants nothing to do with it. Exactly. So I think that, that's, that's such a, a cool thing. But um, there was 10 issues. Uh, 1998 was the first, uh, when the first came out. Um, 
the V comic first appeared in black and white in a, in a story called uh, Warriors Anthology, um, and it was published by a, a British com uh, company called uh, Quality Communications. Um, and I think that's really important because I think uh, if we the more we talk about this, Alan Moore really wanted this to be a British English UK story, like, and that was one of his biggest problems with the movie. Right? He didn't want. It was so he called it Americanized the Viva Vendetta movie. Mm -hmm. So, but he this was his story. He's like, this is about England and where basically where they're from, and he wanted to tell the story about um, fascism and mm -hmm. you know, which is where the same thing when he wrote League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he wanted to keep it yeah in, in England. England yeah, um, and he mentioned that yeah he's like everything was Americanized in comics at that point. And mm -hmm. He wanted to do something different. And he something wanted to talk yeah. about his exactly yeah so I, I think that's a great which is where he's from where he's from yeah. and it's good to know because you kind of when you read this book you uh, uh, at the end of the, at the end of the book they kind of give you that whole breakdown and you kind of get why this book is the way it is right I mean you kind of get that where he's coming from a little bit yeah know? each book is a specific purpose right in the story the first book he talks about it's going to be setting up the characters in the world. Yep. The second book is going to be talking about the side characters, and mm -hmm. specifically Evie, yep. who is Natalie Portman in the movie. Right. And then the third book is the hopefully uh, well-received climax. Climax, how you, yeah. How we talk yeah. about it. Like, hopefully they like it. But That's it, like, yeah. It's, it really is a snowball. Like, it builds and builds and builds in the beginning, and the second one builds even more, and the third one just all downhill. Right. It's all action. Like, yeah. all, all climactic. And exactly. And they, it's a book that you can... Uh, read continuously without like taking needing a break from right. So that's I literally did that yesterday that, on the on the plane. On the plane. <laughs> right. Good job for research and giving all two hundred eighty pages <laughs> on the flight from. Rankin. So I I uh, uh, reading the book. It was you know, I took time. We we took we dive, dove dive. So I mean it's a pretty big thing. So um, I'm gonna read a lot from the book. Um, I think that's really important because you get to hear Alan Moore's words. Um, the visuals are really great. There there's um. There's almost like realistic vibe to it, you know, when it comes to it. it's a lot. There's a lot of black going on. There's a lot of uh, sharp lines. You know, the faces are, are almost hideous at times in this book, but it shows, you know, uh, sadness. It shows grief. It shows, you know, in David Lloyd's art. So I think a lot of times when we talk about books, we talk a lot about the writer, but I think it's a very important to show the equal between the two. Mm. So did David Lloyd work with him on Watchmen or on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by chance? I don't think so. I can't remember the names for the the two other writers or uh, other artists, but I think David Lloyd is. Um, I, I, this is the only thing I've ever read from him, but he's done really, really good. Like he's like a, a staple in the community, particularly in England. You know what I mean? Like he's done like a lot of like comic strips and a lot of things like that. So. Um, I think the the mesh up between these two guys it seemed to come together as uh one it started as like a small idea from like um Alan Moore about like I said fascism but then when David Lloyd came in he the, the world started to expand yeah I mean he's like so he came up with the, the guy Fox stuff so I'd really change like a cornerstone of the entire story yeah yeah, yeah and and it's funny when he talks about it in the end he's like I will unfortunately admit as much as i hate to say that david lloyd came up with the main character yeah because mm -hmm. he had some ideas he had a character named doll yeah who's going to be a the that he proposed to be in a similar role but uh they didn't like it because it was a transsexual right spy and they didn't like it at the time which i thought was so cool at yeah. his time and that could be huge right now mm -hmm. um and then the second character idea that he mentions was the uh uh 
Ace of Shades. Oh, yep. Was the title, yeah. which is fucking a dope name, but yeah. who knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this character came. And, and I, the reason I asked about uh, the previous work is because one thing I've noticed with Alan Moore is that he does prefer his characters and all the people, especially the surrounding characters, to mm-hmm. be hideous. Yeah. Like he, he makes people ugly in right. his books. He makes it like you feel the gloom right. in all of his stories because of the surrounding, the darkness, the black, mm-hmm. the, the, the shadows. And like the, when you see a character's face, it's not right. comforting. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that pretty, perfect picture that you know it's not aquaman no no, no, it's not chiseled it's it's dark it's uncomfortable yeah 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 yeah, it's real it it gets almost too real and that's why when when you read alan moore who's the main character when you see his face a lot of times it's kind of just like creepy you know what i mean like it's not like Like, a ominous is a Mm -hmm. a better word it's it's not like oh that's a great hero it's Mm -hmm. more just like Man, I don't know. Like, you talking uh, about his masked face? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Like, I don't think we ever see his face. No, you never no. see his face. I see his, uh, his mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely yeah. The it's, Guy Fox was a great fucking yeah. pull. And, and should we talk about Guy Fox now, or should we talk about? Yeah, that let's one? talk about Guy Fox. I can go into the story, you know, a little bit later. So sure, sure. I think that story is very interesting. So Guy Fox was a um, born in England. He was uh, at the time there was like Catholics and Protestants. It was kind of a very religious situation. He uh, ended up being Catholic and. The Protestants were in power in England, and they persecuted the Catholics. And so they went to war, and Guy Fawkes left England, fought for Spain, which is a Catholic-dominated society. Which he was named a Guido Fox. Guido Fox. Which is what uh, they currently call Guidos on Jersey Shore right now. I no, don't know. But anyway, he, 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 uh, he was good at war. Like He, he, he got accolades and, and won praise uh, in the war, and then he came back to England. And when he came back to England, he decided that he wanted to essentially assassinate not just the the king, but the lords and ladies, everybody that like was parliament. anybody, parliament, yeah. everybody. And so parliament was meeting in this building, and him and a, a couple of co-conspirators, conspirators, conspirators? Conspirators? Conspirators sounds right. Yeah. Conspirators. Conspirators is definitely not Should it. Take another drink of beer and then think about conspirators, it. Conspirators. <laughs> co-conspirators. Uh filled the building under the building with 38 barrels of gunpowder. One of the uh, people that are in on the plot, though, realized that one of the lords of parliament are, is Catholic, which, yeah. is, which is kind of the, the army that they're trying to represent at the time. And so they send him a letter, an anonymous letter, that says, don't be in parliament on this day. And this dude who got the letter gives it to the king and says, you know, what the fuck, this is pretty sketchy. So then the king has the underground of parliament searched, where that's where they find Guy Fox and a number of his associates red-handed in front of all these... With a match and yeah. gunpowder. Yeah, yeah, with a match and gunpowder, like in front of all these barrels of... Yeah, no. Not what it looks like. Or barrels of gunpowder. Cigarettes? Yeah. All right. So Guy Fox tries to lie, says his name isn't what it is, but it doesn't end up working out. He gets captured, they get tortured, and then he ends up getting hung. hung. And, the gallows. and killed. He yeah. fell, though. He fell and broke his neck before getting hung off of the Oh, okay. Thing. So yeah, you know, actually got In the hung. movie, they show him getting... Really? Um, yeah. yeah. What do you mean he fell? Like, he fell before like the noose was put on him. He fell off the thing, and I think he probably jumped. Did he jump? And broke his neck, so he oh. had to go through the hanging of it. Oh, Really? Nice. Yeah. Now, was he wearing the mask when they found him? No, like, I think that's just what he looked like. Yeah. Well, that's creepy, dude. He yeah. looks like that normally. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously like kind of a, a dramatization sure. of his, yeah. of his sure. face. But I think he kind of had the 
the well, yeah, the nineteen whatever sixteen hundreds with the situation, the top hat, the top the, hat, the and, the, smile, and the, the goatee. Cheeks. Yeah, well, I don't think the the blush cheek. I think that came from um, an idea of David Lloyd putting on the mask, making it a little bit more oh, you know, okay, creepier than you know. Maybe it's like you have this probably friendly face smiling at you with you know almost like a clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you're like, this guy will fuck you up in a second. So is. Um, so one thing interesting before we go on is uh, I googled this before we came over here, and it says if you look up the origination of the word guy, it's from Guy Fox. Oh. Because people would dress up as him every November 5th, and they'd call each other guy. Oh, wow. Because they're wearing the – and so the people would start calling guys guys. Wow, and there's a lot of history in that. Yeah. Thing. Wow. Like, he's – damn. He's got some, uh, some, some history to his name. But do you think – so is, is the story of you for Vendetta honoring Guy Fox or just using his story – tell another a I, similar story. I think it was such a thing that where where Alan Moore was he had this idea about this vigilante about this like fascism and about how government we obviously know Alan Moore is not about authority right like right he does not he's, he's a he's an anarchist yeah he's a self-proclaimed I mean he'll yeah. tell you if you ask him he'll say yeah, yeah he's I'm a an ritualistic anarchist. magician yep. and a fucking anarchist yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he loves chaos and he thinks that we can govern ourselves and all that kind of stuff and so um, I think that idea is is was in him and I think he started coming up with these certain characters and I think David Lloyd came up with this like Guy Fox like dude this he is He connected the dots. Yeah, it's like here this is what your actually thought yeah. is embodied. Yes. And I think that's what happened then, with the and mask. Then Alan was yeah. like you're absolutely right. God damn it. I, I how think did that, I not think about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that I think the 5th of November is actually celebrated in a lot of It's a holiday. It's yeah. a holiday. I mean for me personally I've never known that because I don't think we ever so- no. celebrated it but um uh, Lauren and Johnny, who are friends of ours, they lived in Philadelphia for a long time, and they celebrate it every year in Philadelphia. And, wow. and oh, they wow. also celebrate it in Europe. And 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 um, essentially, the holiday is on the fifth of November. You like get together with friends, and you have a huge fire, and then you create these effigies, which are essentially different sized man-like structures, normally made of wood or uh, hay. Yeah. And you burn them, hmm. and yeah. nobody really knows why. Like, at, at least when I was kind of asking around, it's just like, yeah, it's just a thing you do. You drink beer. You, like, there's fireworks. So I looked you burn it up. a man. I looked it up. It says that uh, the, the burning or the bonfire is supposed to celebrate the uh, pre- preventing of yes. the burning of the parliament. Correct. Uh, okay. So it's actually pro-government. It's yeah. pro. So that's probably why Alan yes. Moore is on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. So, so everybody's been celebrating this holiday, and they've been kind of thinking, like, I mean, probably not thinking about it at all. It's pretty much like the 4th of July, a smaller Or scale. Columbus Day. Yeah, or Columbus I mean, Day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Something like that, where it's just like, sure, day off, fuck yeah, I'll get drunk today. But, um, and then burning, like, I'll throw this little thing in the fire, why not? But really what they're celebrating is the fact that Guy Fawkes failed. Yeah. They're, like, they're, it's a pro-government, look what we did, we caught this guy before he did what he wanted this to. terrorist. It's yeah. celebrating yeah. that, like, the killing of the terrorist right. of right. Guy Fawkes. And that is actually the celebration of... of the 5th of November, yeah. That's interesting. And so Alan Moore is very much on the opposite side of that. Right, Where yeah. he's like, no, 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 fuck that. We shouldn't celebrate, like, him failing. We should create a scenario in which he succeeds. Oh. Like, what does that Yeah, that like? makes sense. That's I would, that's more interesting, actually. Like, what happens if he did succeed? Where would England be at this point? You know, maybe take another couple hundred years step back. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> well, let's find out in the story. Well, let's go. <laughs> 
Hello, Hopheads. It's your friendly neighborhood host, Jordan. Just checking in to say thank you for listening to this week's episode. It is brought to you by our good friends over at Action City Comics and Federal Way. Go say hi to Doug for us. Take advantage of all the great deals they got going on. And just so you know, they are doing a partnership with JR to do an auction with JR's own artwork. So a lot of cool things to come. And on top of that, we have another promotion. We are really trying to boost activity on our podcast. So we are encouraging you to rate our podcast, leave us a review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, If you do one, two, or three of those things, we are going to deliver you a personal comic book from JR's own comic book pull box. So all you have to do is, again, rate our podcast, leave a review, subscribe if you haven't already, and then the fourth option is to post an organic promotion of one of our new episodes on your personal Instagram account. So a maximum of four potential comics coming your way if you do these. And all you have to do is snap a picture of it, send it to us at HopHeroesPodcast at gmail.com or at HopHeroesPod on Instagram and Twitter. You can slide up in them DMs or even just tag us in a post showing showing that you're supporting. So go out and support and we will send comics to your door um, and a lot of cool things to come. So please, please, please spread the word. Who wants some free reading? I bet everybody can use a little more content in their lives right now. Take advantage of this. we got a lot more coming your way. Let's let's get let's get this going, right? So I'm gonna start off with uh, uh, some reading here. So good evening, London. It's nine o'clock, and it's the voice of fate broadcasting on two eighty five in the medium wave. It's the fifth and the eleventh, nineteen ninety seven. The weather will be fine until twelve o seven a.m. When a shower will commence, lasting until one thirty a.m. The temperature will be varying between thirteen and fourteen degrees centigrade throughout the night. The people of London are advised that the Brixton and Strayham areas are quarantined zones as of today it's suggested that these areas be avoided for the reason of health and safety and so i wanted to read that because it's already telling you kind of where the story is going to go quarantine zones bro quarantine mm-hmm. and so the story follows for God. me two main characters so wild v ver- v or room five or batch five mm-hmm. um and evie hammond and it kind of coincides together in the beginning evie's getting ready she's putting on makeup she looks distressed you see a guy walking into a room with a bunch of movie posters, and they're heading outside. And right now, the story goes where Evie heads outside, ends up, and this is where a difference from the movie, right? The movie Evie's headed to Gordon's house, but in the book, mm-hmm. she's out there to prostitute and make right. some money because mm-hmm. it's such a dissolute time, right? She's not making any money working in the warehouse, right? Um, and so. All of a sudden, she runs into this group called The Finger. And The Finger's like the security guard for the government. Essentially the police. Essentially. Yeah, The Fingermen are like the police. They're just more uh, – they have more freedom than the police. They do more violent things. Imagine the like the secret, the secret, secret service. Police. Yeah, it's almost like the Secret Service had reign over the country. Mm-hmm. And they protect the, the chancellor or the leader. But um, they're assholes, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fascist total- exactly. totalitarian – Government. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the fingers, like the front lines, and then there's the mouth, the nose. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so the beginning of the story is when she goes out, she gets she stops this guy and asks if she would can perform some services for him. And he's like, well, did you get the wrong thing? And basically they were going to rape her and, and murder her. Her proposal to was, sell herself is pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, it's a dark, dark humor, but she's like, so do you want to like – 
have sex or something. Like, yeah. she, she has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> no, and that's yeah. like part of like the story here is that right. she she's uncomfortable in this situation because she's it's her first time trying and she's, she's like 16, she's 16. Very young and she's just trying to yeah. trying her best and it ends up going her mom wrong. her mom her dad passed or her mom was taken. Wasn't one of them taken? So her mom had died and her dad was taken and it had changed the way they live. So it's, this is where a difference from the movie as well because her her um her dad and mom were part of like a politician, you know, they're against against the government in the movie and in the book it was almost like they were just circumstances that happened to them. Right. And and I haven't watched the movie in years, but for I remember she was she worked for like the news station. Yeah. And she was she actually was like a well-rounded woman. The mom in the movie? No, no. no. Evie, Evie Hammond. Oh, Evie. She yeah. was more, yeah, she she was more headstrong. And, yeah. and I think that's really interesting because yeah. if you look at the movie, it was actually uh, adapted by two female uh, writers. Right. So two women wrote the movie. Mm, okay. Whereas Alan Moore wrote the book. Right. And I'm not saying Alan Moore's sexist. I think he's very opposite of that. But I think that... But I also think he has a perspective. He has a perspective, and he, he wanted the woman to be as desperate as possible right. in the situation, whereas in the movie, she's a powerful woman that just had really unfortunate circumstances. And in the movie, there, there there's like a good portion of the movie where it's it's just Evie. Right. Like, V's not even in it for yeah. like a solid amount of the movie. That's and like the second book in here, too. A little bit, yeah. You kind of get the feel where she's like, she's moved on, she's grown up, she's experienced some stuff. Um but in, in the first in the first book, uh, she's definitely the damsel in distress mm-hmm. situation, and V shows up with um, in 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 the alley, and he, he helps him out. And just to kind of uh, understand where the government is, is they have this saying, right? Uh, strength through purity, purity through faith, and then they always say England prevails, and that's a kind of a good telltale, right? Like Hail Hitler. Yeah, definitely. Hell, purity. They're using purity. Or MAGA. (laughs) I I almost didn't say it, but I couldn't stop myself. When I first, when we we were down to V for Vendetta. We're politicizing ourselves right now. I know, but it's kind of hard not to. I just feel like (laughs) this is like what happens when uh, Trump sleeps and like goes into like a dream world where he has to relive his nightmare (laughs) is V for Vendetta. Because like like Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Like this is like, this is what happens if you keep fucking doing your shit you're doing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh god. And it's it's nuts. I mean it's it's a crazy opening scene. I mean you've got really big time violence uh, against women. I, I mean they're talking about, you know, race. I mean it's really right off the bat you kind of see where the government has taken the country. Yeah. Um and I'm just going to read another line from 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 V because the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him. And fortune on his damn quarrel smiling show like a rebel's whore. I mean, he's literally saying, you guys are disgusting. Yeah. I mean, and she's, you know, someone who's just trying to live, live their life and do something they they were going to make. She was only, she was going to give herself up, but they're like, that's not enough. You need to give yourself up the way we want to. We want to take you. Yeah. yeah. So I, she was, she was trying to make money off of it, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, and then what happened is they, they showed her their authority, essentially. Like, yeah. I'm a finger man or fingerling or whatever. And... Then she got afraid. She was like, oh, shit, don't arrest me. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I'm so sorry because that's illegal. But then they were like, I'm going to take this anyway. Right. Right. So and, it's like, we're going to fucking kill and you. And then we're going to either kill you or arrest you. Yeah. Right. So it was very, it's kind of very authoritarian. It's like establishing authoritarianism, yep. like right off the bat. Like, yeah. There's not going to be a transaction here. Right. I'm going to take it. Right. Even though it's dark anyway, I'm still going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very, it, it, it gives you a great intro to the book. I mean, um, because you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna realize how 
how important V versus the government versus actual people in the versus human nature versus where people are going and uh, where people um, he feels like they should go. Um, he he goes into the uh, he saves Evie. He takes her up and he's a, a kind of like a, a conductor of music, right? He takes him up to the top of the building and he's like, "Hey, let me show you." So sick. And he blows up Parliament. And, and it's in, in the movie, isn't that? Does where he the... blow up Parliament? He blows up up uh, yeah por- portions of Parliament. 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 Okay. Isn't that where so that's like, uh, super different? Eighteen twelve symphony is going on. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a, a portion of Parliament because at the at, in the movie at the end he blows up the whole entire you know Parliament building. I mean in this book he he blows up the Spoiler Bailey. Alert. He blows up you know Jordan the Jordan Tower. These are all portions. Lady Justice. Lady Justice. That was a big one. Yeah, and he had a conversation with Lady Justice, Dude, which was weird and creepy. That's one of my favorite parts. I love that. Huge. He talks about it as like a, a love triangle between. Him, Lady Justice, Justice, and Anarchy. Him and Anarchy. And yeah. Lady Justice is who he's loved he his entire love. life. Yeah. And she's, she went another direction and basically cheated on him. Right. And so he found a mistress in Anarchy. Yeah. yeah. Such a cool And then way. he ends up leaving Justice for Anarchy. For Anarchy. And then right. blows fucking the Lady Justice right. statue Such up. a cool So it kind of kind of tells you who V, though, is, right? Does it, like, though? A little bit. How so? I feel like he was... Um, there's, like, this mystery, right? Let's get that out there. There's a mystery about who V is. There's yeah. a lot of theories, and Alan Moore will not tell you. Right. He's like, it's who you want him to be, basically, right? Oh, and I know who he is. I feel like he was another uh, uh, a politician. I feel like he was something of that oh, where, he, where he talked about justice. Because yeah. when you when you listen to a lawyer or you listen to like a prosecutor, a judge, a judge yeah. we live by the, the, the blind eye of justice, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like he was something of that nature, yeah. but probably maybe gay. He had okay. to have some gay or some some kind of because gay he was, color or he was some, put into this internment camp to yeah. be experimented on because of his they would put uh, gay, gay people, people in black there people. black people like basically all the minorities yeah, yeah they would just put these put certain people to different classes or right. races in this or different was it a class social. thing though I thought it was like gay minority might just been social or or race. was there like a religious thing that. I didn't oh, hear the, well, this well, is the in movie, the movie, the Quran, the Quran yeah. was a big thing. Muslims, yeah, I yeah. guess, yeah, that's a big so, difference. Gordon. So any any different. Anything different. Anything that against what they're – or different from what their views what the, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to do experiments on you. And so, so he had to be one of those things, right? Yeah. I think a gay man or in, – in in his original idea, the doll, Alan Moore, was going to be transsexual. Right. So maybe – like It could have been that, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's who I think it was. I think it was a politician or a, a lawyer or somebody who had these dark secrets. They kind of give it away a little bit in the movie when Gordon hides his homosexuality a little bit. Um, and Gord- in the book, Gordon's not. No, in the in the book, all. Gordon is barely in the book. He's almost like a, a sidestep for yeah. for Evie. Yeah. Um, and I feel like V has had this like all of the love and all the things that he maybe had with maybe another person or a thing is gone. What if it isn't Finch? Uh, Finch is the detective, right? Finch is the yep. detective. I think because he knew that Finch was going to go to the internment camps, take mm-hmm. the L- LSD, LSD, go through this, and then he knew he was going to come and find him. So yep. maybe he knew the mind and the path of Finch because he was in law enforcement. There you go. So that could be something too. Yeah. Like I know that I, I read the about – Speculation. Dude, it's what why you love Alan Moore and I know, stuff. Because you get to like go down these deep ro- these deep like holes. Mm-hmm. One thing I did read about um, like his attributes – of 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 uh of V was obviously his intense um re- like strength grew yeah. um his re- his reflexes were Speed, huge yeah. which was really really his stealth they yeah. can't hear him coming yeah like. they can't not, and and his intelligence so like if imagine if he was already smart and then you just ten times that so like the the government was trying to experiment to do whatever they were trying to do and you created your own 
anti-hero mm-hmm. to take over the your own government. Like it's like they fucked up and it's the story of X-Men. Cre- I mean, like they, Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a trope that's been they created the monster, right? Right. Like, yeah. I think that's like Deadpool and shit. Right, and he actually talks. There's like if you look at throughout the panels, there's like pictures of the old classic movies in here. You know, Frankenstein, and mm-hmm. so you kind of see where. Alan Moore is going with this, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, hey, they created their monster, now they're gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, and that and that happens a lot in the in book one. You, he's setting it up. He's setting. There's four people or three people that he has to go after, right? And it's Perthero, um, which is the voice of the fate. He's the news writer. So in the movie, he's the actual newscaster. Which in the movie, I wanted to punch that guy the whole fucking time when he's in the shower. Oh man, he was good. Oh, he was so annoying. He and, was he was good at like making you hate him quick. Yeah. He needed one scene to make you hate the shit out of him. Yeah. And and in the book he like loves dolls, so like that, that I think that was way of like maybe Alan Moore adding that doll element, but also you're like, dude, this guy's weird. He loves dolls. Yeah. And, I wish that they would have carried that over in the movie. Right. It was really creepy and I mean, but if you look in the movie in the shower, he has dolls. Set up in Does the shower. He? Yeah, they're orange oh, dolls. And I didn't see like that. pop figures. Like little pop. Fi- well, no, not pop figures. <laughs> okay, pop Are they figures. Like statues. They're not statues. <laughs> Okay, they're dolls. JR, leave me in the talk. Those are <laughs> collectible action figures. Uh, statues are a piece of art. No, they absolutely are. We are not. Doing that at all. Yeah. We support that community. I'm pretty 100%. sure our community listens to this podcast, so no hate mail. Um, but yeah, there's like these little things throughout the book that they put into the movie from the book. Um, I think the book was more intense in those a- aspects. But he kidnaps Porthro. You know, and, and instead of um, in the movie he kills him, he he almost like uh, cat like cat what is, you know makes him like frozen right, and uh, he goes after the the priest. The priest is just as gross as he was in the book. He loved young girls. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, Bishop Lilyman. Fucking bishop is disgusting. Yeah, and um, he was in the in the book. He was I mean the 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 face and the way he's drawn. I mean a lot of dark lines sharp lines and he was just uh he's like oh you're a little old for me and and evie right 15 15 or 16 years old and he's like you're a little old for me but you'll do yeah so this is after so did we talk about how uh v saved evie from the rape oh yeah he fucks him up so he fucks the guys up that are about to rape evie and saves her and takes her in yep and kind of takes her to the shadow gallery which is like a secret fortress yep which is dope and it's super cool and she's like starting to trust him and then she she says, I want to make a deal. Like, I want to do something to give back. That's true. And he's yep. like, okay, I have a deal for you. Because he was like, no, don't worry about it. You're just here. And yeah. She's like, no, I need, to, I need to repay you for saving my life. And he goes, okay, I think that we can work something out. And he uses her as the pawn for the yep. bishop. Yep, that's right. He, he gets her kind of, like, intrigued in a way. You know, like, what are you doing? Like, V throughout this with Evie is like a whole mystery. Like, he speaks he, in code. Yeah, he almost lets her come to every Terribles. conclusion. On what's going on, which is I think really important at the end of the at the end of the book compared to the movie, um, the conclusions that happen and the thought process that she came she came through it all on her own. V was just there. Um, so after after he does and he helps she helps him set up Louis Man. His next goal is to go after uh, the pathologist, which at the time before that the doctor the doctor, which oh. was um, the scene was rough. Yeah, because he she had a nice. It was rough in the movie? It was rough in the book. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad yeah, in the book. that's what I mean. Yeah, it's not graphic, um, but it's definitely... Delia and uh, Surridge was the doctor's name, and she almost had a care, and, and while he's like, um, you know, she's like, is, is it going to be painless? And he goes, 
Yes. And that he, was the coolest well, part. Because are you gonna kill me? Because I already, I already did. killed you yeah. ten minutes ago. Yeah. And then he shows sleeping. her an empty syringe. Yeah. So they're having this like conversation about about him and and their past and how she was involved in the internment camp that he was locked up in. And really, she's um, not a villain. She did. She did bad. She, stuff. she did bad shit. But she's not a bad person. I mean, I think she's a doctor now, and she, and she's. She's really kind of like, I knew you would come, you know, I, I, I saw you I, coming with for everybody else. And I don't know if I could say she's not a bad person. I mean, well, that's an interesting conversation that we should probably have. Because I, what I, my point is that I think that in this story, um, all of these characters are not just one thing. Like, there's not just a villain or just a protagonist or just these people that should be killed or just anything else. It's, they're all multiple things that's an like, Alan Moore like perfection right right, right. Like, and so this and I think the doctor is a perfect example of that yeah because she did shitty things like absolutely she experimented on these people a ton of people died I mean she was a part of that right but afterwards she gets off of that she grows older she starts to help people she starts to save people she feels remorse she feels remorse right and so it's not just and I think that's beautiful because I think in life nobody's just one thing and so it's like doesn't make sense to portray people so one-sided and so, and in that scene, you know, they're talking about that. And, and it's kind of not even like he's, um, I killed you, like, you're my enemy. More like, you know, we need to come to an understanding here. And then she says, you know, are you going to kill me? And he says, I already did 10 minutes ago. And then she asks, is it going to be painful? And then he says, no. no. And then she says, thank you. And then he gives her a rose. And it's like, it's also wow. she goes, is it too late to apologize? And he goes, yeah. it's never too late. That's yeah. big. That's big. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. And then and then she in the book she asks him to take his mask off. Yeah. Can I see your face yeah. again? And he does. And she says, It's beautiful. Yeah. Which and is, then she dies. Which is funny because when he when it flashes back to the internment camp, they know that room five, which is it was Roman numeral yeah. numbers, that's where she the, read, they reread her diary. That's where the V comes from. They reread her diary and she they mention how hideous room five's uh subject was. Yeah. So when she takes when he takes the mask off and goes, she, it's beautiful, it's like she sees the beauty now that she yeah. didn't see when she was experimenting on people. Like, right, right. So I agree. I don't think she's a bad person. I think that she was shitty. She was following sure. the the status quo of the environment she was in, and she saw an opportunity to pursue her career. Right. And the circ the circumstances of that and the repercussions of that were terrible. Right. But she did it anyway. Did she deserve it? She deserved to die. Yes. I mean, she killed people. Right. But have you guys heard of the the Harvard experiment? Yes. Right. I think they actually talk about it in the book, right? Um, it's a very similar situation where they give the they give them the choice, but they have influence. And yeah. They, so essentially, there's wrong. there's there's an actor on one side of the screen, and there's um people, normal people that go into the experiment, and they're supposed to hit a button to electrocute people, and they have a dial that decides how much they're going to electrocute do talk people. About that in the book, yeah. Yes. And then there's a doctor that says, "Turn it up, hit the button," which electrocutes. Turn yeah. it up, hit the button. The other person is actually not being electrocuted. You can't see him or her, but they're actors. And right. so in acting, they're like acting like they're dying, right? You're like, I mean, if you're at like 800 volts or something, like you kill somebody. They're like begging that. for them to yeah, stop. Please stop. Please stop. Don't do this. Blah, blah, blah. And the, the vast majority of people, randos from the street, put in this scenario, listen to the doctor instead of the person begging for their life. That's a big fucking deal. Like, that's like, so to me, it's like, is it their fault? Well, it's the power of influence. Right. But you, you have, have to make somebody, your decision. Sure. But would you be the person that's like, the? would you be the, the, the minority that walks out of that scenario? Because if you're not, if you're the majority, which is like, I think it was like 80, 85% that actually electrocuted to, to completion. Yeah. yeah. 
Now you have V knocking on your door. Do you deserve that? I think you do. Wow. If you actually, so that was an experiment, and they didn't. Act, I mean, so if, if it wasn't an actor, if they were doing that to people, is that what you're saying? Do you deserve that V? Well, not I door? think that that's the truth of the doctor story. That's the truth of the doctor story. So right, there was the experiment's the experiment. tough. The experiment's tough, but the but the doctor knew what she was doing. I think that she had a people. But she had her, influence. Told her what to do. Of course, but she was physically doing the stuff. Like it's like the same thing with the doctors in Auschwitz, and the doctor, like yes, I think that they deserve to die, um, because they have taken life. I don't have an answer. I, I don't agree or disagree. I, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. But I think it's a tough But I think if you ask question. her, she's like, thank God. Yeah, she did say thank She you. was thanking him for her, him well, taking her I don't her think life. she was thanking him because she, he was going to kill her. I think she was thanking him because she was living on edge for years and years. Like, she was like, she I knew, knew you were going to come. she had the guilt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which I think it's good to point out because there was in the book the talk, which I didn't even think about in the movie or maybe it show up, but in the book they talk about how he was already been on the path for four years, so he already killed almost yeah. So she knew forty people. When they look up the the chart, when they find out from the diary that yeah. who he's targeting, yeah, they find out that everybody from that uh, internment camp is already Bar-Kill deceased. Mm-hmm. Camp, yeah. Besides like three people, yeah. yeah. And so they're like, okay, we know who he's going after next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every time they're a step too late. Yeah. And at that that Dahlia one, I mean, that's where um, there's a one of the finger like leaders, right? Which is Derek ha- uh, Almond. Mm-hmm. That's where he kills him. Almond's a shithead. Yeah. Too. And Mr. He Almond treats his trash. wife like crap, which I think is really important to bring up in the book because it, Rosemary Almond it plays a big role towards the end. Is she not in the in the movie? She's not in the movie. Oh. Almond's not in the movie. Creedy takes mm. over right away. Interesting. Yeah, um, which is a big part of the book, right? I, I think that's great in the book because it yeah. shows uprising from not just yeah. one person. Ch- showing change it's from the uprising. way that people are being treated. Yeah. Um, I do like, Zach, what you're talking about, how these char- and what you guys are saying about how these characters have multiple facets about themselves. I mean, even talk about the leader, Susan. I mean, he starts to change throughout the book. So I have a question about that. So he is watching this on, uh, on like CCTV. Yeah, he's watching. He's a voyeur. He's yeah. just like watching everything. Yep. But is is there a computer that tells him things? Fate. The fate computer? Is that like a – what is that? Is I there like confused. a database or something? I got something? confused on that part in the book. I feel like there's like a database. He was in love with, this, with, with, with fate, which was like a computer system. It was cold, collected, yeah. and – and consistent. And yeah. He loved that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, was it just a data system that was relaying information of how to move forward, or was it just him watching it, people? I think it was him watching his people. For me, it was him watching how people are reacting and how he had so much control, and that he loved that. I said something, you got to do it, and he loved the whole fact that he could see that reaction. Say, hey, you you can't go into this area. I feel like that was his control, and when people did it. That turned him on. He, it's just, it was a part where it shows him jacking off. Yeah, that so, was disgusting. Yeah. For, for me... I was kind of into it, but... Yeah, okay, it makes sense. <laughs> for me, I, it, it seemed to me like that was a, a mirror of V and him. As if to say that these are not actually that different of characters. Well, V has a same similar room in his yeah. fortress, too. Yes, he has a similar room. And then also, if you remember V talking about another inanimate object, object which was that justice statue... In a romantic mm-hmm. way, talking about how he loved that justice and blah 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 blah. And now there's anarchy and and so on and so forth. And and this character is in love with a computer system. And so I looked at it. I looked at it as here's two men with ideals that that believe that what they what they are seeing is the truth. And there's no other there's no other kind of way to move from that. And they will 
do anything to make their truth felt around the world, even if it means become violent. Mm-hmm. So I saw it as kind of a Batman joke. I think like a lot of the t- a lot of the times when we talk about Batman and Joker, it's like we we come to the conclusion that these are actually not that different of characters, even though they seem to exist on opposite ends of the spectrum. There's not a lot that separate them. And I felt the same way about V and the leader. Yeah, I love uh, that. I, I felt that they, there's not a lot that separates them, actually. The line is very thin. I thought that, that uh, V had so many parallels with the Joker, specifically, um, because the way he was created was basically a serum that was a hormone serum that mm. we're doing experience with, and it made him go crazy. Right. But he was of, like, all of his neighbors in the internment camp were what? dying. I thought he fell into a bit of acid. That's Joker. Joker. I'm talking oh, about, you're talking about I'm v. V. Yeah, oh, yeah. My yeah. Right. yeah, but he but he was like due to experimentation he went like quote unquote insane, but he was so he he his body accepted it in a way where he was able to control it and, right. and wield it. Um and Joker like they're both about they're almost both about anarchy, but Bro, for sure. But one goes about a way where it's like to help, one goes about a way where it's like to burn. And it's just very chaos for the sake of it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just interesting because they both have the, the almost the clown face. They both have Alan Moore writing for him, which Alan yeah. Moore wrote The Killing Joke. They both have similar kind of origin stories. I don't know. There's just I feel like there's a lot of parallels between Joker and, and, and V. It's just like, which path do you take? Yeah. yeah, That makes sense. And if you take that parallel a step further, and, and V becomes a Joker, then who becomes Batman? The leader of the fascist Evie? society. Because Evie didn't want to kill. I think it's the leader of the fascist society. Because what happens, what happens to Batman if he, if he wins? Like, well, imagine Batman if, if he got everything he wanted. He eliminated crime. And like there was no crime in Gotham, and he was able to like lead that society to believe. I don't think he ever he wanted believed. to lead, though. I think he just wanted to. Help. I think I agree, but I think that he believed in an ideal where crime shouldn't be the case, right? And I think that like if you really want to get into it, criminology is subjective, right? I mean, some people could be breaking the law, smoking weed. Some people could be breaking the law, doing meth. Some people could be breaking the law, murdering somebody. But like. What level of crime each of those things are is subjective, depending on who you're talking to. And so my point is that Batman had ideals, and he like kind of forces it on everybody around him through violence. And if you and I think if you and I love Batman, but I think if you take that to the extreme and you say like, okay, Batman gets elected, and that that ideal that works, right? I could see that being a fascist leader. I could see that. Uh the core values being exaggerated into that role, but I can't see Batman in it's that It's like role. Rorschach. What if Rorschach became president? Good God. Speaking of which, Rorschach coming to a, a new comic strip in DC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, it, October? Yeah. yeah. Can't fucking wait. Yeah. 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 But, it's, but, but it's the same. It's like this black and white, I'm not going to negotiate. This is, this is how it is, and this is my interpretation. I see more parallels between Batman and V as well, though. Because like, like, he, he doesn't, like when he's getting shot at, and he's like, you think flesh and blood is under this? This is an idea. You can't mm-hmm. kill sure. an idea. And Batman's all about being a symbol. For sure. Not being flesh and blood. For sure. I just, yeah. I can't see Batman, the, the character of Batman leading a fascist society. I can see the core values being exaggerated by somebody else that supports Batman and taking it too because far. you love Batman too much. I don't like Batman. <laughs> so that's the opposite of what I'm saying. You don't like Batman. I like Batman, but you make me hate him because of how much you love him. It's like why you don't like Gambit. But uh, I used to like Cyclops too. You fucking ruined a lot of things for me. Everybody loves Cyclops. Uh, but I think that somebody could take Batman's message and then get into power, right. like yes. Harvey Dent kind of thing. Um, kind of similar message, but take it to extreme. You know. I think I think fascism is 
is the unwilling compromise of your truth mm-hmm. and you forcing that truth through any means necessary on everybody and anybody around you like baked down boiled down to its core yeah and maybe batman wouldn't be that and and that might have been a stretch but batman is very much like this is my truth i'm gonna live by that and i will enforce it on people around me through violence if i need to although we agree with that truth that still could be viewed negatively by other people right there's all these different perspectives and i think it's easier to understand if we think about rorschach because rorschach is so black and white that if if he Literally. was elected to power, Rorschach, I could see that happening. And, he, but I think, and I think my my point is that I think that these ideologies, right, like Rorschach, Batman, uh, the leader of the the head, the leader, the leader, it's called the leader, Anvi, Anvi are are all cut from the same cloth. Whereas they're this is the truth. This is this is what it is, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So they're like almost like let's say you go into the courtroom. They're almost part of like let's say they were one big, you know, they dish out justice a certain way. But instead of when the nuclear blast happened, one went this way, right? Which was okay. Now we need to protect ourselves. We need to make sure that we're all, that we have more control because we don't want what happened around the world. Because that's what happened in this, right? They're mm-hmm. they're a little bit in the future, and there was like a nuclear blast, and it changed the world. And England needed to protect itself more. Sure. And so Make what, England great again. Right. So maybe like the prosecutor <laughs> went. Make. Yeah. Make. Like, and, or the judge went this way and the prosecutor went this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe now they're trying to find out what's actual justice and there's no justice in there at all. There's just total. Just anarchy. Anarchy. Mm. You think, I mean, you almost look at a V. It's like they both went complete. Like they started off at the same point, but now they're completely different. So they were both government officials, but one became the leader. One became the leader. The next who was one obsessed became obsessed with control. Obsessed with. I mean, th- there's a line in there where we talk about Nordic, you know, heritage. You know, we just want Nordic. Yeah, heritage. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's like that's, it was like a race cleansing. It. That's what they were pushing for. Yeah. In the book, they hadn't started that yet, yeah. but they wanted yeah. to have a racial cleansing. Yep. And they were using like you know the the fear, right? Right. So yeah, I mean, that's a crazy. That's only the first I book. think this whole episode is just gonna be beneath the inks. We, yeah. just, we just went into it. <laughs> yeah. We just went into a well, bro. Yeah. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. <laughs> Verily, this vicious soise of verbiage veers most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honor to meet you, and you may call me V. 